0: Hey, and welcome to Generation Changers Church Podcast. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Barry Smith.
1: We're talking about the core values that shape the culture of this church and hopefully the culture of our homes and the culture of our lives. We talked about a Jesus passion, putting Jesus first and what that looks like. We talked about generational faith of which we just saw a great example right up here on this stage. We talked about radical generosity, how God not only calls us to obedience with tithing and giving, but living as people who are not living to get, but living to give. You can't outgive God, but we try. Today, we're going to talk about another core value called greater grace. God's ability to be good to us is greater than our ability to be bad. For some of us, that's a huge statement. hmm. <laughs> Romans tells us all of us have sinned, some of us more than others, probably. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and any sin in our life separates us from fellowship with God, but that's where grace comes in. On the 20th celebration, you will, you will remember that this house was raised up as a house of grace and mercy. Mercy lets everyone in regardless of your broken condition, but grace calls everyone out and says, I want to heal the brokenness of your life that you can have the life God intended for you to have. All of us were born into sin and sin into us. And the Bible says in Romans that through the disobedience of one man, Adam, we were all made sinners. But the good part is, through the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, many are made righteous in God's sight. Wow. Sin necessitated the giving of what we call the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, to point out the sinfulness of our transition, of our trans- uh, transgressions against God. Romans 5 and 20 says, "Now the law came to increase the trespass." But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Look at that for a moment. The law came to increase the trespass. That doesn't sound right until you realize what it's saying is the law was given to point out just how sinful we are without the grace of God. But notice that the level of man's sin never rose to the level of God's grace. God's grace is greater. It says his grace abounded. That word abounded means much more than sin, exceedingly more than sin. Our grace abounded beyond measure. You can never fall so far nor stoop too low that the grace of God cannot find you, pick you up, and restore your life to that which God has intended And all of us are here today, not by good works that we've done, but by the grace of God. So I want to preach on that just a few moments, if I could. Beginning with the perception of grace. There's a couple of elements of grace that we need to embrace so that we'll properly understand it. The first one is this. It is based solely on the love of God. At the core of his affection for us, grace originates. It is not given to us based on how good we are. It is given to us based on how good God really is. There's a lot of thinking that says, well, in the New Testament, we're under grace. In the Old Testament, we were under the law. And I know there's some practical merit to that statement, but I want to show you that God has always been a God of grace. Go with me (laughs) to— Go with me to the debacle that's known as the fall of man. Before sentence on sin was passed, the grace of God brought the message of a redeemer that would come and crush the head of the serpent who led them to sin. Go with me to the flood when the wickedness of man was so great that they were evil continually, and God sent a flood to destroy the world, but the Bible says Noah found grace In the eyes of the Lord, and he and his family were spared. Go with me, if you will, to the moment where God was actually giving the law to point out the sinfulness of man to Moses, and here is God's self-description. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The law wasn't given in the place of grace it was given to point out the need for grace. Grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive us and to bless us. Based on his unconditional love, he gives us unmerited favor. And grace is the liberty given to us by God. It's the opportunity to trade the chains of sin for the grip of grace. It is when alienation from God, hear me now, is turned into unmerited acceptance with God. I want you to see how Moses responds to God's self-description, okay? And he said, if I have now found favor, grace in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. God's self-description brought such a revelation of grace to Moses that he says, Lord, I know we're stiff-necked. That means stubborn. I know we're stiff-necked and we're sinful, but based on what you just said, based on the fact that you have described yourself As a gracious and a merciful God, come on in among this stubborn, sinful people, forgive our sins, and make us your own. That's what grace does. Grace takes a stubborn, sinful people as we all are and makes us children of the most high God. It says, Lord, we know we're bad, but you are so good. And based on your goodness, we're going to invite you right in our midst, and we want you to claim us as yours. What a revelation to know that a holy, sinless God is so gracious that Moses felt comfortable saying, if you are who you say you are, if we have found favor with you, come on in, Lord. What a beautiful picture of what God does in the life of every believer when we turn our lives over to him. We come to him stubborn, stiff-necked, and sinful. But the grace of God says, I can overcome that. I can deal with that. God, come on in. Be our Lord. Be our Father, and we'll be your children. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God, where regardless of your brokenness, you can say, come on in, Lord? Wow. And that, my friend, is the real power of grace, that God can embrace simple, stubborn people and make them his own. And that grace goes to work transforming our lives. God's grace is a saving grace. Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The word saved is translated many ways throughout the New Testament, but in this instance, it means rescued from danger or destruction. How many of you have been saved by the grace of God? You know what that means? You've been rescued from the danger of sin and the destruction of all eternity. You've been rescued from not only your present, but from where your present was taking you to your future. I'm glad that when I receive the grace of God, it's not only good for my past, it's not only good for my today, it's good for my tomorrow too. We're rescued from danger and eternal destruction. Wow. Verse 7 tells us that the riches of his grace are immeasurable, incomparable with anything else. That's greater grace. Romans 3.23, how many of you know what that says right off the cuff? For all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know what? I think it's a travesty that we can quote that one and not the next one. Because Romans 3.23, I'm just going to preach a little bit this morning. Romans 3.23 has been nothing but a, but a crutch upon we, which people stand to justify broken behavior, to justify staying in their chains, to, to justify continually to repeat the same old thing over and over again. Romans 3.23 is not the power verse. Romans 3.24 is. Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.24, and we are freely justified, made right in the eyes of God by His grace. That's the power verse. That's the thing to hold on to. Yes, we've all sinned and fallen short, but that's not what Paul was pointing out. Paul was pointing out there's no way you can get to where we're going from where we started without grace, but I thank God when the grace of God comes, we are justified in the eyes of god made right with him not based on our own goodness but based on his goodness toward us wow thank god for his saving grace it is also a sanctifying grace i'm going to keep reading in ephesians chapter 2 going to verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them what's he saying He's saying all of us were born with a purpose from God. God ordained a life for us. But the only way to get to live the life God ordained for us is when we receive the grace that God has for us. Because born into sin and sin into us, we cannot reach the pinnacle of purpose. But when we come to Jesus, turn our lives over to him and receive God's unmerited favor, grace, that grace empowers us to do what we were born to do and be what we were born to be. You will never reach your created potential until you receive the grace of the one who created you. Wow. Too many times grace is taken for permission to keep doing wrong. Paul addressed that when he talked about grace abundantly abounding. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, absolutely not. It should not take place. But watch this. So if grace, if grace is not the permission to keep doing wrong, it must be the power to start doing right. Right? Am I at the right place this morning? If it's not permission to do wrong, it must be power to do right because it takes some effect in our lives and gives us the desire and ability to live not the good life, but the God life, the life that God intended for us to live. I'm so grateful that his grace sets us apart as the people of God and empowers us to do the purpose of God. It is a sanctifying grace and it is a sustaining grace. Can I just be honest with you and tell you that we don't sell the lie around here that once you get saved, you become perfect? (laughs) Neither do we tell everybody when you get saved, all the trouble in your life will clear up immediately and it will be gone. No, we don't preach a perfect life. We preach a perfect grace. Can I say that again? We don't preach of a perfect life or perfect circumstances, but we preach a perfect grace. Mm. Paul, here's what we learn. We learn that grace gives us strength in the struggle. Paul went before the Lord with what he called a thorn in the flesh. And, And while many people talk about it not being revealed, I think maybe the scripture gives us some hints. He tells us, There was a messenger of Satan that kept bugging him, buffeting him. And that thing was placed there just to keep him humble before God and keep him knowing that all the great things he did were only possible by grace. But now, watch. When he says, God, I want you to remove this from my life, God says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul made it very clear. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And God's grace is not only a saving grace, it's not only a sanctifying grace, it is a sufficient grace for any circumstances in which I find myself. Not everything will go perfectly in life, but God's loving kindness, God's good will toward you will see you through every challenge or change that life may throw your way. His grace sustains us, it keeps us, it preserves us in times of peril until the day of redemption that comes. We've seen the perspective of grace and the power of grace, but here's where the rubber hits the road. We're called to be people of grace. Here's where grace impacts the culture of our lives. First, we must receive the gift of grace. (laughs) we need to all realize we're helplessly sinful and hopelessly bound except for grace there used to be a, a saying that we don't say much anymore in the church when we would see someone out there living and going through all kind of stuff or maybe they were living just openly sinful and we would say yet for the grace of god there go i except for god's grace that would be me and you know what you're exactly right Without grace, man will default to the lowest common denominator of his character. Yet for the grace of God, there go I. When we realize that grace is the only thing that breaks our chains, we become recipients of the gift. Grace opens the door for reconciliation with God and redemptive purpose with God. The boundless, liberating, refreshing grace of God empowers us to become new creations. How many of you are a new creation in Christ Jesus? Guess what? You should be a little different than you were before you were saved. There should be some different things happening in your life right now. But I want to tell you the only difference between those who are living in sin and those who are living in favor with God is the grace of God that He has freely given, and we have chosen to respond by accepting that grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. It's God saying, I no longer hold your sins against you. Come be my child and let me be your father. And we receive that gift by faith. No matter what we've done or where we've been, his grace is greater. And we must receive that gift of grace. But we must also be givers of grace. The way God treats us, is the way we're called to treat others and that's where it impacts the culture of the church. <laughs> we got to give more grace to those who are just starting out in their walk with God. Anybody got any new babies around your house? You know it comes with babies spit up diapers that get riper unless they're dressed babies that come in making a mess babies that You ever seen a newborn baby? I mean, a newborn baby. They ain't pretty. They got all kind of stuff on them when they first get here. They don't put that on Facebook. They clean them up, put the makeup on them and everything, and then they take the picture. But when babies are first born, that's gross looking. You know why? They look like everything they've been through to get here. Huh? Huh? And grace goes to work with the baby, cleaning them up. Ain't long before that baby learns to talk and your worst nightmare comes true. (laughs) They can now respond audibly, expressing how they feel and think. They don't know how to talk, but they learn to talk. You know what? The church has got to give grace to the new babies in Christ to learn to talk. Some of them still talk like what they've been through to get here. We have to set the example and be patient with them. Then they learn to walk. And you know what? Everybody likes to capture on video the first steps of a child. But if you run that camera long enough, that child will fall. The first time they take steps, they're going to go one, two, or three, and boom. It's a lot like new Christians. When they start out with God, they start walking, and we go hallelujah, and then boom. Well, I guess it didn't take. I guess they weren't saved, no. I guess there needs to be some spiritual mamas and daddies in the church who go pick the baby up and get them back on their feet. That's having grace. But you know what else? Here's the thing. Giving grace to others don't ever stop. We have to continue to give grace to each other even if we've been here for 20 years like some of us have. And there's nothing that will stop us from giving grace like taking on a fence. And it is a travesty the number of people in the family of God that are offended with one another. That's the reason for church hopping. Somebody let somebody else run them away from their church. I saw something recent that made a lot of sense to me. Don't let other people run you off from your church. They shouldn't be the reason you're there anyway. You're supposed to be there because God placed you there. He ain't taking my house not where I belong God put me here that's where I'm staying you're stuck with me we might get offended with each other but you know what if we're real children of God we'll work through it with grace that's what impacts the culture of the church when we start giving others the grace that God is giving us let me show you what Paul said it looks like in Colossians since God chose you to be the holy people he loves isn't it great to know God loves us you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's grace Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Hear me. The Bible says the closer we get to the end of days, Offense will increase because the love of many is going to wax cold. We can't let love get cold in the body of Christ. It's got to stay hot because love covers a multitude of sin. And we've got to make allowances for each other's mistakes. Listen, even grace gives people the ability, good people, the ability to have a bad day. Giving and receiving grace sets the culture for transparency and truth and honesty and fellowship and everything the church should be. God's grace is greater than someone's offensive behavior that may or may not be directed toward you. And let's just face it, some people take offense at the stop sign they will tell you that stop sign was put there just to stop them when that stop sign wasn't even about them they're just a victim in life and because they're a victim everybody else is a villain understand something you got to receive the gift of grace but you got to be willing to give it to that person who put up the stop sign even if they threw it up there when they just saw you coming even if it is directed at you. See, here's a challenge. I hear a lot today about people saying, well, pastor, I just can't forgive myself. Well, I got to jump in on this a minute. I've read the scripture and there is no scripture that says forgive thyself. None. Nowhere has the Bible designated you the judge even over your own sin. There's nothing that says you have to. And people who love God have lived with guilt for three decades. I'm talking to somebody in this house this morning. You've lived with guilt as much as three decades long because you've been trying to forgive yourself when you don't have the ability nor the authority to do so. What you have to do is believe by faith that one who is holier than you, one who is greater than you, One who is omniscient knowing all things more than you has chosen to invest forgiveness in you. And if someone as great as God has forgiven you, why are you holding the grace of God at bay? Let go of the guilt and receive the grace of God in Jesus' name. Stand with me all around the room. Pastor Jerry, I want you to come. As equally tragic as that is, are people who have broken relationships in their families and in the family of God due to that same unforgiveness. To set ourselves up to forgive ourselves or to set us up to determine whether we will forgive someone else or not sets ourselves up as God. And that's a job for which none of us are qualified. Some of you in this altar time today, you're going to need to receive grace. You just need to bring your guilt here, lay it down, and go home knowing you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And some of you are going to have to come down and lay down your offense and call the offender and give forgiveness and bring restoration. Here's the good thing grace can be received and given. At the same time. And whichever miracle of grace you need, God's gonna provide it.
0: Thanks for joining us today at Generation Changers Church. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. GC can now be your home church no matter where you live with GC Church Online. Watch weekly messages wherever you are with family and friends. Join our online family today by texting the word online to 615-488-7151. And let's do life together. If you would like more information, please visit gcchurch.tv. And special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or texting the word give to 615-375-4286 or by going to gcchurch.tv and clicking the give tab. God bless you and we'll see you next week.